It's Tuesday, July 3rd. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill, and joining me in studio today from Motley Fool Stock Advisor Jason Moser and from Motley Fool Inside Value Joe Maker. Gentlemen, good to see you. Howdy. We have got emails galore. We've got some great questions about recent conversations we've had on mobile phones, on beverage companies, but we are going to start in Redmond, Washington where Microsoft announced it will be posting a $6.2 billion, that's billion-dollar write-down for its online services unit, which includes, among other things, the Zune Marketplace. Yes, it still exists. It's uh, where I do all my shopping. Yeah, exactly. Joe, what happened here? What is this? This is the result of a really terrible acquisition from six years ago where they bought a company called Aquantive, which specializes in display ads. Um, we always trash Microsoft on the show for making big, splashy, bad, non-core acquisitions, and there's a good reason, and this is kind of a poster boy element of this. So they paid an 85% premium for this business, which was non-core, didn't fit uh, a few years ago. Eventually, they come back and effectively said yesterday the business was worth effectively nothing and wrote it down to zero. So that's $6 billion down the drain for this acquisition uh, you know, for a little <laughs> little context, that's the entirety of their dividend for this year. So that's basically like your dividend being flushed down the toilet. Uh, Thank you. <laughs> yeah. No, that's quite a bit of cash. And honestly, the whole unit is really struggling. The online services business, which primarily revolves around Bing, has lost money five years running, $8 billion over the last five years, two point six over the last year. No real signs of turning. Jason, uh, d- should this make people think twice about the recent announcement that they spent $1.2 billion for Yammer? I mean, even even if that, I don't know, I, as a shareholder, I just sort of feel like even if that turns out to be productive and a payoff in the future, I, this, is, this is such a staggering loss. I don't know. I feel like maybe, so I know, I know at least some of us in the office have used Yammer. It wasn't exactly the most mind-bending product in the world. So I think the Yammer news would probably make many people think thrice. I mean, the 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 uh, Skype acquisition, I think, is one that maybe makes you think twice. And really, I think that's what what has been my concern with, with Microsoft as an investment for, for years now is just they don't seem to be on the the side of innovation as much as they once were. So they are, like Joe mentioned, having to make these splashy acquisitions to sort of make a name for themselves, make news, where you have other companies like Google and even Apple to agree, which are out there sort of innovating, creating new products. And uh, obviously, shareholders have been rewarded over time through this. Um, You know, wow. I mean, $6.2 billion is a lot of money no matter what the company. And so you really have to kind of dig into what what exactly is behind all that, and what may be down the road? Because with eight and a half billion purchased uh, for for Skype, and then this purchase of Yammer, I mean, we can only assume that there will be write downs of Goodwill later on. And with Goodwill closing in on close to twenty percent of the total assets of the company, I mean, twenty percent is kind of that threshold where you really need to start taking a look and wondering, okay, are they overpaying? And and we now know that they, in fact, are. Joe? Yeah, I think an important thing to remember, and this, you know, Microsoft spends its this spins it this way, but it's a non-cash charge. And so anyone who's not familiar with that, effectively, that just means that they're writing down the value of the goodwill that they paid for this acquisition a few years ago on their balance sheet. This doesn't actually affect the amount of cash coming in and out of the business today. It just says that the money they originally spent was completely wasted. So, you know, management teams, whenever they do write-downs like this, like to say it's non-cash to point that out. 
but really they're just saying we made a terrible decision before. And it probably implies that it's not generating a whole lot of cash right. in the future. <laughs> Um, wh- where is this going for Microsoft? Where I'm, I'm, I'm assuming that there were people at Microsoft who lost their jobs over this. Uh, pres- you would hope. You would, you would hope that. I mean, we talk about CEO accountability all the time, and it, I, I, I like to think that there's accountability at the lower levels as well. But beyond that, should Microsoft just not just write down, but write off online services? Should they just? get out of the business altogether? They're in a really bad spot there. Um, They have made some traction with Bing. It's gained some market share, and revenue per search has been rising, and those are both good signs and good trends. But uh, unfortunately, when you zoom out, they're not really doing all that well, and they're not really all that competitive in search. So they have about 15% of search share in the U.S. Google has more than four times that. And that's just the U.S. When you get outside, Bing only has 3.5% of global search share, and Google has 92%. So they're not competing all that well here. And you know, So you're saying there's room to grow. There's room to grow. <laughs> the optimists might say that. <laughs> uh, but, you know, that's just a huge run rate of a loss, $2.6 billion for perspective. They're only making about $11.5 billion on Windows. So this is seriously cutting into their profits. And it's a real issue. They're using management mindshare. They're putting resources towards it, and it's a big waste. But on the other hand, they can't really just abandon the space either and give it all over to Google because they'd be leaving a lot of money on the table and you know strengthening Google uh, by doing so. So it's kind of this you know darned if you do, darned if you don't kind of scenario for them. And I think they keep hoping that you know they'll scrape up enough market share to get the business profitable, but doesn't look like they're getting there anytime soon. Well, I think that's just what investors really have to look at Microsoft as at this point. I mean, it's not a company that's going to be out there lighting the world on fire and doubling its share price anytime soon. It's it's probably going to do you pretty well as a dividend uh, investment if you can uh, pick up the, the stock when it's getting hit at good valuation points to to you know realize a little bit of a capital gain there. But I mean, over the long over the long haul, I mean, yeah, I think they're going to be able to occupy a little bit of search. They're going to have to continue to do that as opposed to just giving it all up because it is still money out there. Uh, but yeah, I mean, that, search begins and ends with Google. I mean, I think we can all pretty much agree there. And so then Microsoft has to has to look past that and really. They are going to have to really focus on innovation here, and and maybe the Surface is is an indication of that. Maybe they're trying the to new work tablet. on it. Yeah, I, I don't know. I haven't personally used the product. I, I imagine I will at some point, but uh, you know, I mean that time remains to, remains to tell, really. There, but but they're going to really have to focus on on innovating something. Yeah, and easier said than done. I mean, yeah. when you hear about these stodgy companies say, "Well, we're working <laughs> on innovation," it's like, "Oh, if you're working on it, that means you're not doing it. You forgot how to do it." Uh, just to close out on Microsoft, Joe, what uh, what is the next potential business win? Because as a shareholder, I sort of feel like, <laughs> man, I need my team to get a win here. Is it is it the Surface tablet? Um, is it the the Windows 8 release? What what's the next? Uh, potential business win for Microsoft. Windows 8 should be a big hit. Uh, Windows Mobile probably won't go anywhere. I'm not expecting big things with Surface. What I think is a real opportunity, and not just an opportunity, but a must for Microsoft, is switching from a, a model of just selling you a license for an individual product. So uh, Windows Office, for example, you pay for it once, use it for however long you like. But switching from that to a cloud-based membership service where they're charging people regularly And part of the reason you really want to shift toward that is products have gotten a lot better, which is a good thing. 
But just like we've seen <clears throat> with autos, the better the quality product, the longer people are going to use it for. And so you're seeing longer replacement cycles between when people buy Microsoft products, and that's a real threat to them. So the sooner they can start transitioning people to you know, paying regularly and smaller doses, that's a big win for them that in the short term will look like a hit, but in the long term they'll be better for. Let's move on to emails. Uh, radio at full.com is the way to get a hold of us. Uh, email from Fred Lillehook. He writes, I'm a huge fan of market foolery, and I like to think of myself as your only avid Swedish listener that lives in Denmark. Probably, Fred. That's and pr- thank you. Yeah, that's probably a safe bet. Uh, but uh, he emailed us uh, regarding our conversation yesterday about research in motion. We had talked about um, how they really need some sort of game-changing technology in order to save their hardware business. Uh, but we also talked about the competitive advantage the company has with respect to email security. Uh, Fred writes, could it not be argued that their phones merely need to catch up with the iPhones of the world in order to become the most attractive offering to the business segment again? In such a scenario, the businesses buying the phones would be happy with RIM's unparalleled email security and cost. The end user would now also be satisfied with the phone's features and functionality and not feel that they're missing out by not having an iPhone. Uh, a thoughtful yeah, it's, it's response. A thoughtful, it's a thoughtful letter, and I would agree with it in theory, but the problem is I don't think that even if RIM could produce a phone as good or even better than the iPhone, I don't think they've got the muscle and brand to convince people otherwise that it is that high quality of product. And I think you're going to keep seeing this trend where consumers are the ones driving the technology in the workplace, just like we've seen here at our office where our tech department you know, three years ago, wouldn't deal with iPhones. And now we have one person in the office. Matt Greer, our producer, is the lone holdout. Yeah, who still uses a BlackBerry. And this is just a trend that you're seeing everywhere. And I think it's going to be really tough for, you know, IT departments to keep investing in uh, BlackBerry when all their, you know, employees, including people in the tech department, keep walking in with iPhones and with Android. So I agree with it in principle, but I'm not sure that even if they could do it, that it would work. And I don't think they can do it. Email from Jonathan Shipley in Seattle, Washington. I heard your recent podcast about Ambev and craft beers. I know there aren't many craft breweries that you can put your money into. Boston Beer Company for one, Craft Brew Alliance for another. Is there any worth in investing in these companies for the long term, knowing that they will probably be swallowed up by the bigger conglomerates that I don't have much interest in investing in? It's an interesting uh, thought there, Jason. What do you think? It is an interesting thought. And I think you know the practical side of me wants to say, no, it probably isn't worth. And the main reason I say that is because of the distribution factor. The reason why these craft brewers uh, get swallowed up is because, number one, they can only achieve so much scale before their distribution model more or less fails in comparison to the bigger boys. Uh, so you see something like Sam Adams, which to me, Boston Beer is sort of pushing – uh, it's 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 almost pushing its limits as as far as as far as how big it it may be able to get. I, I wouldn't be shocked ever to see that get uh, swallowed up at some point. But you know, I do think that I mean, I looked for all sorts of different types of opportunities as far as investing in craft beer, and, and you know, I, I will say that if you're looking to invest. Uh, I, you know, going out there and just learn how to brew beer yourself. There's so many great home brew stores out there where you can go out there and learn how to do it. 
you may not save a whole heck of a lot of money, and that's not really why you would do it. It's for the love. It's for learning how to do it. It's for being able to make your own different flavors and kinds of beer. That's it's really a lot of fun. Did a lot in college, and uh, really really enjoyed it. But um, yeah, as far as finding those little ones, you know, I just don't see a lot of economics behind it. Joe, you agree yeah, with that? Yeah, the economics of beer are terrible, and that's why you don't see many brewers public, and most of the ones that are huge. You know, if you want to support your local microbrewer, just buy their beer. Yeah, I mean, I grew, I, growing as simple up in, as it is that, buy it and promote it to your friends. Growing up in Charleston, I mean, it was neat because you had some of those some of those restaurants like the Market Street Mill, which was a restaurant and a brew pub where you could go there and, and buy the beer that they made. It wasn't a publicly traded company, but just you know, going ahead and, and just you know, shopping there, eating there. I mean, that was one way to support the local industry, but. Um, yeah, I don't imagine it's one that's going to be attractive for investors for the most part. Here's an undervalued play, brewery tours. I don't think oh, people yeah. go on enough of those, but you go to a brewery, you know, usually do a tour for free or for five bucks. Nearly every craft brewer does tours on a weekly basis. It's a lot of fun, very cheap, try different stuff. If this was a video, right, you could probably put in the video clip of like the Simpsons Duff Brewery <laughs> tour. I mean, that would be pretty money, I think, right now. Duff um, World. Uh, we have a brewery here in Alexandria, Port City. Uh, have, yeah. you, have you been on the tour there? I have done the tour. It's cool. They got a good little facility there. I like the wheat beer. Quality product. I'll tell you another. Gr- Can I just yeah. shamelessly plug? Uh, my favorite Atlanta brewer is Sweetwater Brewing Company, and they do an awesome tour. They'll have a band. Uh, they have a great bar. They have a Highly band? recommended. Yeah, they'll have a band. <laughs> that's, the, that's really up in their game, isn't it? It's a pretty big thing. A couple times a week, uh, people show up, and they're just... They Dozens, make it an experience. not a couple hundred people. They make it an experience. Uh, speaking of beverages, email from Keenan Ganjaware. I hope I'm pronouncing that cor- uh, correctly. I'm probably not. Uh, from Allentown, Pennsylvania. I just spent the last month listening to you guys while searching supermarkets across Singapore and Taiwan for odd flavors of Tang. Sorry to report no success, but I did bring back some photos of Kickapoo Joy Juice. And he emailed us some photos of uh, of this beverage, which is uh, based on the old comic strip Little Abner, it's um, it's now a citrus flavored soda. Um, but uh, Keenan goes on to write, I was deeply saddened to discover after catching up on recent podcasts that Uncle Joe Mager appeared on CNBC Asia the day I left. I would have a great, I would have greatly enjoyed seeing that. I'm sure you can still pull the clip online, right, Joe? Yeah, yeah I think it's the online. clips are online. Yeah, and, and I mean, let's be clear. I mean, Joe and Jason. I mean, you guys, you guys actually do. Media here in the United States as well. It's not just we do. Asia. Here and, yeah. here and there. Uh, but fortunately, email from Steve Wilson, uh, who emailed us on May 23rd. Guys, I'm on vacation in the Philippines. I went to the store in hopes of getting a new flavor of tang for you. Have you ever had sweet pancan tang? If not, let me know and I'll send you some. Uh, so I said, yeah, send us some. <laughs> he, he, he said it's going to take about three weeks. It's here. It's finally arrived. Um, we've got some in front of us here. Uh, let's bring in our man Steve Roydo from the other side of the glass. Steve, yes, sir. you've also got some sweet pancan tang in front of you. I do. It looks like Orange Crush for those at home who can't see us. Yeah, flat. It, Cheers. It's very flat. Cheers. Cheers. It's, uh, Cheers. It's, uh, to Steve Wilson Absolutely. and all our listeners. Uh, how are we describing this? Wow. That's wow. Very close to the original. I it mean, seemed, I just... It's, uh, Tastes it's, like tang. I haven't, yeah, I haven't had tang in a long time, actually, ever since we were in Egypt. But it seems to be. It seems like I, I was going to say that's close to the original, but it's got like a like a little tangerine going on there, doesn't it? It seems healthier. It seems healthier. I mean, it, t- it tastes like some sort of fruit or some sort. Of it doesn't taste, taste very natural. 
Well, Maybe the, I've just been drinking too much OJ. Yeah, I mean, to Steve's point, the, the packaging does have uh, if, uh, a photo of the actual fruit on it. It appears to be some sort of tangerine. What did you say it was? A sweet poncan. Poncan, okay. P-O-N-K-A-N. So, yeah, I'm not, not familiar with that, but it tastes okay. I mean, I don't drink a lot of Tang, but hey, I mean, I'd, I would drink this for breakfast. I was going to say, for those of us, and I think, Steve, you were, you were uh, here when we did the show where we tasted the tuna Tang. Yeah, I skipped, mm. I skipped that. From Mexico, yeah. which, is, which is really like uh, cactus flower. Yeah, that how was that? It was, it was not awesome. Mm. <laughs> um, uh, tomorrow is Independence Day. We are off for the rest of the week. So I wanted to take just a minute uh, to say uh, uh, a few thank yous. Uh, first, thank you for the emails. We love them. Um, please keep sending them. Radio at full.com is the way to get a hold of us. Um, we love the questions. Uh, we love when people share the stories of how they listen, whether it's on their commute or walking their dog or whatever it is. I mean, yeah. that's, that's really, the, for me, that's the best part. Uh, thank you for uh, the stuff that you've sent over the last year. We've, we've certainly gotten a lot of tang. We've gotten, <laughs> some, we've gotten some C's candy. But you know what? We'll take anything. This is just my one shameless plug for swag. If you've if you've got a business and you want to send us a little swag, two thousand Duke Street, Alexandria, Virginia. The money was especially useful. <laughs> the uh, the untouchables. A lot of good tweets out there too. I think, yeah, so. absolutely. Actually, please don't send us money. I think <laughs> I was say, yeah, no one's sending us money. But again, the, uh, the the tang is great. But really, again, for us, the 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 stories that you send us that's really the best part. Uh, thanks for listening. Um, it's, if, if you enjoy listening to podcasts, this is basically the best time to be alive because you have numerous choices. And actually Fred in Denmark, part of his email that I didn't read, one of the things he said was, I listen every day, including this past month when it was the NBA finals and Euro 2012. And I was like, wow, that's, you know, that's dedication. So thank you for choosing to spend a little time with us. Uh, and finally... Since tomorrow is Independence Day, uh, we wanted to say a special thanks uh, to our listeners in the armed services. Um, and we've gotten emails from uh, folks all over the world, uh, the Air Force instructors in Idaho, the military trainer in Dallas who makes his recruits do extra push-ups if they interrupt him <laughs> while he's listening to market foolery, uh, the people working in Afghanistan, on base in Iraq, uh, wherever you serve, however you serve, thank you so much. And please come home safely. Uh, Joe Mager, Jason Moser, Steve Broidoff. Guys, thanks for being here. Thank, Thank you. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's it for this edition of Market Foolery. Steve Broido at the helm today. Our man, Matt Greer, will be back on Monday. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We will see you next week. 